ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. There is one song which I remember exactly where I was the very first time I heard it. And I remember it stopped me dead in my tracks. Let me set the scene. I was at a Costco with my dad in the suburbs of Toronto. And just as we entered, the opening notes of this song rang out. I froze. I looked in the direction of the boom boxes, this area right at the front of the store where all the CD players and cassette players were displayed. This was 1998. And I made a beeline for that area. I wanted to get as close to the sound, as close to the song as possible. It was Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, and I was nine years old. I wish I could play that song for you right now. Unfortunately, copyright rules mean I can't, but you know how it goes. (laughs) That is music psychologist Dr. Tim Byron. I still believe was like crafted within an inch of its life. And this is Dr. J.D. O'Regan, a musicologist. And they are obsessed with what makes songs especially good and especially memorable. Basically, they're obsessed with hooks. I guess the thing about hooks is that if they're not there, you're not going to, nothing's going to stand out. Nothing's going to be memorable. Yeah, it's like no nutritional value. It's just like (laughs) empty calories or something Mm. without the hooks. This is All in the Mind. I'm Sana Kadar, and today we dig into the psychology of hooks in pop music. From Britney Spears to Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen to all of Taylor Swift to Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. Is it a hook? Is it an earworm? Is it both? All of that in today's episode. Oh, yeah, a little bit more now. Yep, that's great. So it's really hard to do an episode about music, about pop music, if you can't actually play the songs you're talking about. I'm good now. Thankfully, Tim and JD aren't just academics and co-authors of a book. Yes, Hooks in Popular Music. They're also musicians. So they've brought along a keyboard and guitar so they can play some of the hooks we speak about as we speak about them. And just to round off their intros, Tim is a lecturer at the School of Psychology at the University of Wollongong, and JD is a lecturer at the Conservatorium of Music at the University of Sydney. They're also, fun fact, yeah. married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do your research interests overlap often? I think they do. Yeah, relatively so. We're, we're both interested in, in music, and we just take different uh, approaches to that. So I'm interested in, in what's happening with our minds, with our, with, with our brains, when we listen to music. And, and JD is uh, uh, that you, you can explain yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, like the analysis of pop music and like the cultural context of, of pop and like, yeah, exactly where it sits in mm. history. Okay, so what are, what are some of the biggest hooks across pop music of all time, do you think? So what we did with our book when, when we were kind of putting together the final touches of it, like we went and counted how many times we mentioned different hooks in the, in the book. So we ended up having a top five of the ones we keep coming back to in the book in some kind of way because they, for us, they're, they're hooks that are really good examples of particular kinds of hooks. And so the, the, the number one that we ended up having was Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. That just kept coming Love up it. in various contexts. Can you play the hook from Baby One More Time for me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's heaps. There's not just one. There's heaps and heaps. And that's the, uh, that's the reason we keep coming back. But there's, you know, there's the intro. Yeah. But in the, in the pre-chorus, it does this little different thing, which is which has a couple of extra chords in it, and that's definitely a hook for me. So, when you're not with me or by my side, <laughs> give me a sign. 
Hit me, baby, one more time. So the the bit where I sing, it's a turnaround. Yeah, it's the, turnaround the turnaround there. Turnaround. Like the, so the the bit where I'm like, give me a sign, but mm. give me like it does different chords there, and and that's a, that's a hook. It's it's a surprise. It's a thing that you kind of notice that comes. You know, the, the, the you know it, it's memorable in a way that the rest of the times you do the chords aren't as memorable because you've heard it over and over again. And so when yeah. it does that new thing, when it does that um, that bit that is a surprise that that's a hook yeah and when it gets to that chord on sign like yeah. it really highlights the kind of majoriness about it like mm. it's such a sunshiny chord after that little tricky turnaround yeah and it's not even just the chords in baby one more time there's like the way that she sings it like her mm. performance persona like sells that song in such an interesting way that even like the sound of her voice is yeah. particularly right. hooky and actually one of the things we found um in some of the research of the book and i can't unhear this so i'm going to tell you everyone <laughs> that britney spears is often like one of her kind of vocal techniques is vocal fry, which oh, is right, like yep, that kind yep. of valley girl, like, ah, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And it's part of her singing style and it is it is a hook the way that she uses it. That's interesting. So what, what makes a hook a hook then? So it's not just, you know, like a collection of the beats or, or notes at the start of the song or in the chorus. It can be voice as well. What is a hook? Yeah, so, so a hook is a, a musical moment that stands out or is easily remembered. Uh, or, or, or both, yeah. yeah. So, and so that's the definition that, that comes from a, a 1987 journal article in, on hooks from way back when. So it's not like we made that one up, but it, it's the right definition. She props, though. Yeah, to Gary, Gary Burns. Burns. Yeah. Loved your paper. Yeah, yeah. You're amazing. And, and, and the thing about a hook um, is that if we're talking about something that stands out or is easily remembered, it's not just in the music. It's not just what the music does. It, it stands out or it's easily remembered because there is a person who is for whom it stands out, who is remembering it. And so it's, it's a psychological term in that kind of sense. So, you know, I played that little bit in the Britney Spears song and yeah. that stands out to me. It might not stand out to everyone, but probably for the big pop songs, they know what they're doing. Yeah. When I think about that Britney Spears hit me, baby, one more time, mm. for me, it's definitely the opening. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, I have no sense of tune, so don't get me to, <laughs> to hum too much of this. But yeah. uh, that's absolutely the iconic sound of that song for me. Mm. Totally. And it's like less than one second in. Mm. Like it's already it's already got you. I mean, what Tim was saying was really interesting in that kind of there's two different kinds of hooks in a way. There's like hooks that, are, you know, the big, dumb, obvious ones like that. <laughs> and yeah. then sometimes there are just like subjective hooks, which are just the ones that you personally like. Like there's just a, a bit in a song that is special to you for whatever reason. So, yeah, that I kind of like that there's a subjective quality to hooks that what is a hook for me that I love might not necessarily be one for somebody else. And it's my little treasure. It's my little gem, you know. Right. So there's not necessarily a universality to hooks then. I think there definitely are is a universality to some of the, like the really big ones. Like like Baby One More Time is a great example because it was like crafted within mm. an inch of its life to, to be <laughs> that. And that's the joy yeah. of pop, right? The, the yeah. beautiful craft of trying to make something that's mm. amazing and interesting all the way through. And then there's something like, you know, who let the dogs out? Oh, God. <laughs> which, um, which, you know, is a big hook. It clearly is. It's something that is memorable. You know, it, it stands out when it comes in the song because you can't remember any of the rest of the song apart from that bit. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Why did I have such a visceral reaction to, like, loving, yeah. you know, Hit Me Baby One More Time to Who Let the Dogs Out? That, that's yeah. an e-worm. That's terrible to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but, but it's very memorable. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and so it doesn't really, like, for, in terms of a hook being a hook, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It matters whether it stands right. out to you, whether you remember it. And so I think there's quite a lot of people who don't really like Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's one of the greatest songs of our generation. <laughs> Can someone play the, the tune from Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> like it's, it's like one note, right? All yeah, yeah. Through, and it's repeated yeah. like, I mean, Who Let the Dogs Out is like, it's brute force. 
to me in terms of like a hook it is like hammering it over your like over Mm. your head over and over and Mm. over again what baby one more time does is a little bit more kind of sneaky and a bit more maybe it's crafted in a way that's sort of a bit more clever than than who let the dogs out but for somebody that might be their favorite yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. that's interesting okay so let's (laughs) talk about the the psychology a bit more in terms of the mechanics of how does it tie to memory what's going on there What, Mm. what about a hook means it drills into your brain and you remember it so with something like who let the dogs out, if you think about that as a phrase, it's f- five words, who let the dogs out. Yeah, five words. <laughs> Got it. Um, and, and so in terms of our ability to remember stuff, we have limitations on our memory. Research in psychology seems to suggest that we, in, in our working memory, in sort of our consciousness at any one time, we can remember about a, a list of seven things probably. Right. And so something like who lets the dogs out with it, with its five words, it's it's easy to remember in that sense. It, mm-hmm. It's not going to tax our memory abilities in the same way as like a much longer melody, like sure. a, a much longer sort of phrase that might be, you know, 30 words long, for example. <laughs> but th- there are some things that are 30 words long in terms of the the melody and lyrics, and they would often be doing things to help you chunk that information, which is sort of the word that cognitive psychologists use to talk about the way that we can fit as much information into perhaps those seven slots that we might have. Right. And can you explain the cocktail party effect? Because that's what hooks are exploiting to stand Mm. out and be noticed, right? Yeah. So I think everyone has kind of had the experience of being in a loud place uh, where there's lots of other people talking around, around you and you're trying to pay attention to one person. And if you think about it, this is a really hard thing to do. You, You have to localize the sound that's coming from one person that you're talking to and ignore everyone else. And, and so for, for our, our brains to do that, um, we, we have to pay attention to some things and not pay attention to other things. And it's kind of the same thing when we listen to a piece of music. There, there are bits of the music that we don't really pay that much attention to that we can go, I don't need to pay attention to that. It's not coming from what I want to listen to. Uh, and there's other bits that we do pay attention to. So what's happening in, in a, with a hook is that it's using that selective attention. It's, it's trying to do things that will get paid attention to and try not to do as many of the things that will just kind of get a bit ignored. Mm. How much do you think pop producers understand this psychology element of memorability and, and standing out? Is it, Or is it more just like a gut sort of instinct? Like, do you think people will really understand the mechanics below this when they're making the music? Um, yes yeah. and no. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think they probably understand it maybe to the level that Tim's researched sure. yeah. it. Yeah. But there is certainly a push. Uh, there's a really famous quote in a great book by John Seabrook called The Song Machine. And the quote was from Jay Brown, who at that point was president of Rock Nation, right? That Which was, is basically yeah. Jay-Z's yes. entertainment Jay-Z's, company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. Um, there's this really famous quote from him that says, you know, in a, in a modern song, you have to have a hook every seven seconds because seven seconds is as long as somebody, a listener will give it before they change the dial or wow. skip on Spotify or like, you know. Pr- for, if, for a new song they've never heard For a new song, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that means that there is an awareness, not just of musicians and producers, but also like the recording industry at large of like what needs to cut through. I think now in pop, it's it's not so much that there's a song and then hooks are layered on top. I think we think, you know, mm. hooks are the fabric of the song. Right. Like they're not just like seasoning. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if I think of something like Taylor Swift's Shake It Off, if you ever listen to that song, every tiny little bit is a, 
as a hook. And some of them are repetitive, some of them are textural, some of them are lyrical, some of them are the way, you know, she she sort of winks at the audience mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. she, you know, she's like, this sick beat, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and she yeah. kind of breaks the fourth wall in a way of like, hey, you know, like I'm talking to you. Every element of that is so beautifully woven together, like this kind of pop tapestry. So I guess what we've been thinking about is that, you know, there is some literature, especially in music journalism, you know, from the 60s and 70s, where hook was a dirty word. Right. Like Lester Bangs, who was a very famous music critic, or Tim, maybe you could sort of talk about this section, but he was real dirty on hooks. He was Why? Not, Why was, not a was fan. hook a bad thing? Well, he thought he was being tricked, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that goes to what the, the music is about and what the music is trying to do. But if a music is trying to grab your attention, if it's trying to be memorable... It's not, as we talked about before, it's not necessarily good. It's just what it's doing as, <laughs> as the style of music, the, the kind of thing it's doing. And so there, there's music that grabs your attention um, that you do remember that isn't really actually the music you want to remember. But yeah, so a song having hooks doesn't sort of necessarily make it good or bad. It's just what it is. And so if you, if you look at the kind of things that producers say when they're interviewed in the press and things like mm. that, that they often will say things like you've got to, like, th- that are basically saying to me, you've got to have memorable things and you've got to have things that keep their attention. So, so Max Martin, has, who, who um, wrote and produced Baby One More Time, mm-hmm. for example, he's, he's talked about how if you've got lots of information in the verse, you've got to have less information in the chorus oh. or, or vice versa. Yeah. And, and that change is a hook because that change means that you start paying attention to it. Because once it's not doing the thing it was doing and it does something new, that's something you orient to. Yeah. And I mean, that's a trick in pop for... Uh, like as long as time, time in some ways. Yeah. Like I think. I mean, even if I think of something like I don't know, Wonderwall by Oasis, that's a perfect example of chatty verse, mm. long notes in the yeah. chorus. Right. They hit so well in the choruses because it, the verse has been so chatty to set it up, and so like the hooks in the chorus are, are hooky because of its context. Yeah. If we play a little bit of that, like <laughs> so the verse, it's quite sort of a, a skippy kind of a chatty kind of rhythm. So that the. Today is gonna be the day that you're gonna throw it back to you. So da 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 da, mm-hmm. and then in the in the chorus, like two notes, like it's sort of quite a Morse codey kind of melody in some ways. Yeah, Yeah, whereas in the chorus, it's more maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. And like the me I just did there, like he sings it like it goes over several bars. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that that's a change from the skippy to the like the longer notes, and and that means you pay attention. Something new has happened, and so you're like, oh, what was that? And and that might be part of why it's a hook. Yeah, it's a, yeah, right. it's a perfect like release of tension mm. in a way. It's like, oh, yeah. here we are in the chorus. Ah, oh, I can breathe now. Gonna be the one that saves me. Right, so there's an element of novelty that, that makes the hook the hook. Yeah. We think so. Yeah, I think with a, with a hook, there's got to be two elements, um, and, and they, they kind of fight each other a little bit. One is novelty, and one is repetition. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so so you, you want for it to be memorable, because if we think about a hook as standing out and being easily remembered... For it to be easily remembered, one of the tricks that um, the Baja men do with Who Let the Dogs Out is they repeat that a lot. <laughs> I, can't, right. I can't believe we keep coming back yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be stuck in everyone's yeah. mind for a long time now. <laughs> but, but they're sort of diminishing returns with repeats because yeah. like, the, the more you hear it, the less it's going to stand out to you because it's like, oh, it's just that thing again. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a balance between standing out and being easily remembered in that kind of way. What, what makes a hook 
What converts a hook to an earworm then? Because for me, an earworm has like a negative connotation. It drills in your brain, mm. it drives you mad. Whereas a hook is either neutral or positive to me anyways. What makes an earworm an earworm? So an earworm is a, is a psychological category of, of stuff that comes into our mind and stays there. So it's, um, it's what psychologists call involuntary musical imagery. Mm. So it's imagery in the sense that it's, you know, it's imagined, you're not actually hearing the song, it's just in your mind. Yeah. Um, the research generally suggests that most of the time the songs that we have stuck in our heads are, are more or less pleasant. Okay, okay. Um, but the, I think people notice the ones that they don't like much more. Uh, yeah, that probably yeah. is true. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I, there's, there's been a resurrection of the most awful hook of all time, to me anyways, this is my personal opinion, um, the I'm blue, na, 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 yeah, na, yeah. with the BB Rexa, or I don't even know how you pronounce yeah. your name. I thought it was bonkers. Why did that, they bring that back? I don't know. That was horrible the first time. It's terrible again. <laughs> I do feel you on this one. I remember hearing that. Like I think it was at the supermarket and I had to stop and be like, oh no. Yeah. It's back. <laughs> it's back again. But but in terms of why a song might turn from a, a hook into an earworm, the way that psychologists would talk about it is that memory works on the basis of uh, something has to be encoded. So it has to turn from the stuff that we experience into some sort of brain representation thing. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be stored. So it has to sort of sit there and not go away at some level in your brain. And then you have to find it again. It has to be retrieved. And so what's happened with an earworm is that you've encoded it. So it's, there was something about it being a hook mm -hmm. that meant that it was easy to remember. In terms of why you've retrieved it, there's a variety of different reasons why that might be the case. Probably uh, it's got to do with, in research that I've done previously, how recently you've heard the song and how much you've heard the song. Other things that probably play a role are going to do with like the things that you're doing as you go about your day that might bring certain things to mind. Mm -hmm. So it might be that, you know, for that particular song about being blue, there's a room that you go past that is a blue room. <laughs> oh, Tim's yeah. wearing a blue shirt. I'm wearing right a blue now. shirt. So maybe that's where yeah. it came right. from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like our brains are so busy, and even subconsciously, I guess, like our brains are always chattering and chattering and chattering. And so part of that I guess, is the earworm, right? Yeah. So, so there's, there's those things that, um, you know, we use our memory to interact with the environment. And so if there's something in your memory which is related to blue, it might come to your mind as your brain is sitting there going, might this be useful for you as you interact in your environment? And <laughs> okay. for, the, for the song, no brain, that song no. is not. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it, So it's probably going to be things along those lines that mean that the song comes back into your mind. So okay. That, yeah. If you're prone to earworms too, the good news is there is a way to get rid of them. Weirdly, it involves chewing gum. We were talking just a bit before about like how earworms sort of become part of the chatter of your brain. Mm -hmm. To some extent, that's literal. So, you know, research suggests, for example, that when we're, when we're thinking things not out aloud, that you, you can sort of see some activation of, of throat muscles. Right, okay. So basically, if you can kind of reduce the usefulness of that pathway, mm -hmm. you can reduce the amount of earworms you have stuck in your head. And so what that looks like is, in one bit of research, chewing gum. Because, it, because doing that, wow. you're... Like imagining the tune or just chewing gum at all? Just chewing gum. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so if you're chewing your gum, that sort of memory pathway kind of isn't as effective because... Um, it's like otherwise when engaged. You're chewing, yeah. It's otherwise engaged. <laughs> and, and so that's a way to basically reduce that chatter to some extent that's going on in your mind. And on average, not all the time, but on average, it does reduce the amount of earworms you have. Okay. Gosh. Have you tried that? Has it worked for you? Yeah, it, it, it does. I'm, 
Yeah, for, for me, it's a bit weird with earworms because I don't find them that annoying because I'm sort of sitting there going, oh, this is interesting that this sounds stuck in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's such a human experience in some ways that, that music kind of does this to us, like the idea of like involuntary musical imagery. It's like kind of a weird hallucination we have. Mm. Like we're hearing a voice that isn't really there in a way, like yeah. not, not in a mental illness kind of way, but like you wouldn't necessarily go to an art gallery and go, oh, I can't stop seeing this bowl of fruit for some yeah. reason. Like yeah. there's something uniquely about music. That's really interesting because like, yeah, I, even films, I don't think I've ever had a particular scene cotton loop in my right. head, yeah. you know, the way music would. We've talked a lot about pop music, uh, a few other genres as well, though, actually. Mm. Hooks do exist beyond pop mu- music, right? It's not mm. just a pop phenomenon. Yeah, I think it's what pop music is about. Mm. But but there's also hooks in other kinds of music that aren't necessarily about hooks in quite the same way, but which, you know, ultimately musicians want to do things that are memorable that stand out to us most of the time. Um, but there, I guess there's ambient music, which is deliberately trying not <laughs> to stand out, and so that's probably not going to have hooks. Actually, but, I was yeah. going to ask, yeah, do hookless songs exist? What do they sound like? Well, I yeah. think at kind of an ambient sort of right. texture probably w- would, would be a great example of a song that doesn't necessarily have hooks. But I think, you know, like music without... Like we sort of talked a little bit in the book about like the difference between rock and pop. Yeah. And that rock music absolutely has hooks. It's got big dumb riffs, you know, like an ACDC song, super hooky, super mm-hmm, catchy, mm-hmm. but they aren't necessarily the defining feature. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> great hook. <laughs> So I guess the priority of hooks is kind of different, I imagine. But like, I mean, I like to think classical, yeah, I mean, classical like, music, for one of a better term, Western art music, definitely has hooks. Like, yeah, like, totally. That's the one that comes <laughs> to mind. It's an amazing hook. And I mean, there's pop music that's supposed to be, you know, quite anti the idea of the hook. Like, I think of something like I don't know, progressive rock right. of the late late sixties and into the early seventies, which was music that was sort of essentially trying to legitimise rock in the eyes of the academy in a way. And it was like, we don't have choruses and we're not singing about, you know, boy-girl love and we're, you know, we're being virtuosic in the way that we're playing. It's, you know, very complicated chords and there's time signature changes. Like it was trying very purposely to avoid the cliches, I guess, of of pop music. But you listen to Pink Floyd, it's still catchy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But they made it. It's pretty yeah. good. They made it hooky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you think TikTok is changing the way hooks are appearing and sounding in songs? Because people are, you know, just hearing very small snippets of songs, and that's how they're discovering a lot of music now these days. How do you think that's changing how hooks are done? Yeah, I think TikTok is fascinating for this in terms of hooks because by its nature, they have to be these short little snippets, so they have to grab your attention, Mm. right? Um, And they also have to be useful because I feel like, you know, the TikTok hooks that become popular, they're like, they're behind like a fashion try-on and then they're like in a kitchen video and then Mm. they're in like a, you know, they're all, it's sort of... The context changes. Exactly, but the the hook kind of still remains. And also something that's kind of quirky about TikTok is that I often find that TikTok takes bits of a song that aren't, the hook, the big hook. So it's not necessarily the chorus of a song, but then kind of turns it into one. So an example of this was like Harry Styles as it was. Mm-hmm. That was on a lot of TikTok videos, but it wasn't 
you know, the shiny chorus. It was actually this weird little coda at the end. And it's it's all on one note. It's like when he goes like, you know, you know, high speed internet. I don't want to talk about the way that oh, it was. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's all on one note. Right? And so when I heard the whole song for the first time, I'm like, wait, this doesn't sound at all like that weird little bit at the end, even though mm. that is really catchy. So that's not necessarily what the artist intended no. to be the hook, but that's the audience taking that exactly. and making it the hook. Yeah. Okay. Earlier I asked you what were some of the top hooks of pop music that you narrowed down in the book mm. and we said baby one more time yeah and then mm. we sort of got sidetracked talking about yeah, that yeah. So tell me what the other top five are so the other ones that we had in the top five in terms of what we talk about the most in the book so that there was baby one more time there was shake it off and blank space both by uh taylor Love swift that. <laughs> yeah uh, taylor swift was definitely up there and, and they're funny because they're both from the same album but they're quite different songs but yeah. both are very 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 catchy yeah um so there were those Three, there's Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love yeah, to put Carly. That's a good one. We yeah. love to put Carly Rae in there. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that was a very catchy song. That became a meme about how catchy that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Call Me Maybe has like quite an interesting chord thing in the chorus where it does. Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. And here's my number. When it does the da, da, da. It's yeah. Like a, it's quite a strange rhythm. Oh. And, and and it kind of it's not happening exactly when you expect. And there's yeah, something it's not about on the beat. It's, it's like anticipated yeah. all the time. It gives it this kind of urgency about it, right? Yeah. So there's, there's something odd about that that is kind of I think part of why that song is really catchy mm. for some reason. Okay. Whenever I hear that, I just get happy. That just makes mm. me happy. I have no other emotion I can associate it's with such that a song. Joyous, but... It's such a joyous song. She's she's amazing. And this is crazy, but here's my number. So call me maybe. So we had that and we had, I think Blinding Lights was one of the ones in the top five. And how did you narrow down to that top five? Like, was that based on your own opinion of, of the most catchy or based on surveys or? It was but, how many times we referred to it in the book, in oh, text, right. like we just counted. Yeah. So I think maybe one more time had like 12 citations yeah, or something. Yeah, 12 mentions. And There's probably like 10 for the two Taylor Swift songs. And this is different sections of the book where we're yeah. trying to illustrate different kinds of hooks. So like hooks that are in the sound of the voice or hooks that are in something in the melody. Like a cool synth melody or like a production effect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They were kind of some of the taxonomy, you know, like if we talk about like the top line, we tried to break it down into like pitch hooks. Maybe there's an interesting rhythm, Mm. you know, in in the vocal melody. Yeah. Few people think about music as deeply as you, perhaps I would say. What do you hope people get from reading the book? What do you hope it does? I hope it gets this promotion to work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, no, I, I definitely have um, really appreciate the beautiful craft of pop. You know, I think it can sometimes be thought that, oh, well, you know, pop music, it's so catchy and it's so simple and it's formulaic and, you know, and therefore it's not interesting, it's not worthwhile, it's not something worth taking seriously. Whereas I really feel like this book is like like a tribute to all the pop we've ever loved mm. in our lives. Mm. In a way, it certainly is for me. And so, I, I mean, I hope this is a bit of a toolkit mm. for others to go, oh, there's so much in here that's so beautiful. Yeah, I hope it sees, you know, others can see like the complexity of what makes pop amazing. That's a great answer that JD <laughs> said. Like, I, I completely agree with all of that. Like, it, it, it's giving us sort of a, yeah, a toolkit for doing research on pop music. That is Dr. Tim Byron, music psychologist from the University of Wollongong, and Dr. J.D. O'Regan from the Conservatorium of Music at the University of Sydney. They're also co-authors of the textbook Hooks in Popular Music. Throughout this episode, you heard Tim and J.D. play covers of a number of songs. Here is what you heard. 
Baby One More Time, written by Carl Martin Sandberg, also known as Max Martin, as performed by Britney Spears and published by Cobalt Music Publishing Australia PL. Who Let the Dogs Out, written by Anselm Douglas and Osbert Leopold Gurley, as performed by Baha Men and published by BMG Rights Management Australia PL and Saint Music ANZ Proprietary Limited. Wonderwall, written by Noel Thomas Gallagher, as performed by Oasis and published by Sony Music Publishing Australia PL. As It Was, written by Tyler Sam Johnson, Harry Edward Styles, and Thomas Edward Percy Hull, as performed by Harry Styles and published by Universal Music Publishing Proprietary Limited and Concord Music Publishing ANZ Proprietary Limited. Call Me Maybe, written by Tavish Crow, Carly Rae Jepsen, and Joshua Keeler Ramsey, as performed by Carly Rae Jepsen and published by Universal MCA Music Publishing Proprietary Limited and BMG Rights Management Australia PL. Money, written by Roger Waters, as performed by Pink Floyd and published by BMG Rights Management Australia PL. Back in Black, written by Brian Johnson, Angus McKinnon-Young, and Malcolm Mitchell-Young, as performed by ACDC, and published by Sony Music Publishing Australia PL. You also heard Blue Dabadi, written by Massimo Gabuti, Maurizio Lobina, and Gianfranco Randone, as performed by Eiffel 65, and published by GZ2538 SRL. These attributions were sourced via the APRA AMCOS website. Okay, that is All in the Mind for this week. Thanks to producer Rose Kerr and sound engineer Hamish Camilleri. I'm Sana Kadar. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. This is an ABC podcast.